Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I have to tell you something, people. Tonight, I'm going out for Indian food, and last time I went out for Indian food, I ordered it spicy, and I found out there's a big difference between India spicy and American spicy. I got this stuff. I got mutton. It was so hot, my face felt like it was going to melt, and my stomach clenched up, and I said to my waiter, I said, listen, I said, I'll pay for another serving, because I did order this. And he said, no, 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 you made the uh, mistake that when Indians eat Indian food, it's very spicy. So I learned tonight when I go in, I'm going to order it as white guy spicy. Anyway, we have a great show today. We have a, we have a guy who's in, in a great band. They've been playing for a long time. They're about to go on tour. He also just released a um, CD with his other side project. And my guest is Dean Rowland. How you doing, Dean? Hey, I'm doing great. Now, 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 you've been playing rock and roll for a long time. You go out and tour. How is it? How do you eat these days? Because you have a long, you're coming up for a long tour. Do you have to really watch what you eat? Because you have stage shows and you're on the road, and it's a very tempting to eat, you know, bad food. How do you? How do you handle yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it gets a little tricky. When I'm home, I'm, I'm healthy and I'm fine, and then and I, I try to get in that you know routine when you're on the road, not you know pizza and whatever at three o'clock in the morning after a show, you know, um, just do the best you can really, you know, that, that's, that's about, that's about it. Or there, and especially now I'm a little older, the body that it just doesn't metabolism slow down a little bit. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> I'm going through the same not, thing. Not, not, not 25 anymore. Right. Now I, I read somewhere that you, that you grew up, your, your, your intro to music, you grew up on your, your father was a, a Baptist Southern Baptist minister, right? That's right, yes. Now, how did that affect your music? Did, did, did you get into music at an early age, or how did that develop you into a musician? Um, well, we were exposed to music, at, I mean, my entire life. I mean, my, before he became a preacher, he was the minister of music at the church there. So he, he, and he was a voice major in college, so he sang, and my mom played piano, and that, but it was all like, you know, church gospel type music. So that was some of my earliest memories of my dad getting ready for church and my mom playing the piano and getting us, you know, the, the, the hymns ready for the day for the, for the uh, Sunday service. So, and then my mom, <clears throat> we were always kind of didn't have a choice <laughs> in the early days. Like we were going to learn, at least learn until we just decided we didn't want to do it. And we, we loved it. I, I, I took piano lessons as a young kid. And then I was in a, like, junior high school and high school band playing saxophone. So I was, I didn't start playing guitar until like my senior year in high school. I just, I was a late on that. I did, but I knew music and I loved music. I just, I never saw myself as like going to make a career out of it. And then <clears throat> went to college for a couple of years and kept playing and Ed was in different bands. And one time we just played together and it's just, we, we, we kept going from that point on. Now, when you when you first started playing, did you pick up the rhythm guitar first, or I mean, I know there, I mean, it's a different guitar, but were you always into the rhythmic part, or did you want to play lead, or how did your guitar styling develop? Yeah, I, I was always rhythm. I, I'm, I never had any sort of desire to to do solos, and I can play a little bit of you know just stuff, but nothing like you know the the, the great guitarists play. I just not, I just never had that desire. Mine was more of a uh, a, a means to an end to be able to write a song. So, and then it's kind of just kind of relied on from that perspective. Now, 
you guys are you, you formed the band. How long till you get a record deal? And I know your first record pretty did pretty well. What was that whole process for you guys? Was it was it a quick thing, or were you out there struggling and like, playing crappy gigs and stuff like that? <laughs> Ask me, because <laughs> Ed's got a total different story. There's ten years, there's an age gap, but nine or ten years between he and I. His was a struggle. He left high school. He went to Berkeley School of Music in Boston for a little while, and then came back, started a band, worked in. <clears throat> studio learned that that trade as an engineer and producer and but always kept going writing music and, and, and had bands and then i came along and just started playing with him and it was like a year later we had a record deal and we were we were doing our thing he's always like you god dang you're he's whatever like, i'm like dude i'm like, I mean, good luck, Sean, buddy. Let's just look at it like that. <laughs> what was it like as you guys are blowing up? I mean, I, always, I talk to a lot of musicians who, you know, mm -hmm. your life automatically changes. I mean, you know, you can say it, it doesn't, yeah. but I mean, I have friends in bands, you know, in small bands and in big bands, and it's different when you try to go to a show. You know, the big bands, it's harder to get a ticket. The small bands, you can always get on the list. But how did your life start changing in those early ages? Like when you start, when you started becoming big, what what changed for you? I mean, you know, it's it's a little cliche to say everything, but it, it was everything. I mean, I was 21 years old when our first record came out. So I, I was on the road. I had been I'd lived with my parents in the whole, entire life, and I was going. To, I was commuting to um, school downtown Atlanta, college, and then it was like boom, this thing's over, and I'm I'm gone. And we were gone for, you know, we would come home every so often, but for the better part of two years, we we would be gone nine and ten months at a time. You know, like a, a lot, and it was all over the world. And fortunately. The band was a, a tight knit, and you know, obviously Ed and our brothers. But, you know, we all had known each other, so we kind of kept each other in check, which you know helps in that situation. Nobody gets too ego gets too far out of line, and we're able to to, to, to manage it and keep it going. Because at the time, everything was happening so fast. But we did know Ed and I would, would discuss like we we wanted longevity. I mean, we wanted to be able to make a career and not just be, you know, we had one big hit and that was it. So we, we knew we had to go and we had to go. That, that was the time in our career to just to work as hard as we could and, and, and do as many things and play as many shows. So that's fun to think back on in terms of where we are now. Next year will be a 25th year anniversary. And it's, uh, that's, there's a lot of pride in, in having made it this far. Well, to me, that's that's it's amazing because you know I'm, I'm a huge music fan, and and you do hear of so many bands <clears> who break up, and for 25 years for one band, I mean, I personally, I you know, I think the music world's changed a lot. I don't see bands yeah. with lasting 25 years. It's like if you're a baseball fan, pitchers don't pitch full games now; they pitch six innings. They have a pitch count. But what do you attest right. to, you guys? What do you attest to, you guys staying together for 25 years? Was it the strong bond? Because the music scene has changed, but you guys haven't disappeared. Yeah. No, yeah, we, you know, we've been fortunate in, in that, like our, our mainstream success was in the early to mid late '90s, early 2000s. But our 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 fan base is super. We're fortunate to be able to have such a secure, solid fan base, and it's spread out all over really the world. You know, <clears throat> so and then I test it to the, the. Ultimately, it's just our passion for music. We love it, and we never took that for granted. Like that's what. You know, we get to—I get to wake up and make music and play music for a living, and that's—that's that's just 
you know, very, you know, it's, it's, that's a very fortunate position to be in because that's what I've always dreamt and wanted to do. So, um, and the other part is, I think it is the camaraderie. Like, you kind of, you don't want to let the other down in the band. Like, you know, everybody's holding up their end of the of the bargain and being accountable and available. You know, now we're spread out. I live in California. Ed's back, you know, in Atlanta. A couple of guys in Nashville. So, it's, but we all are accountable and available to like show up and rehearse and write and record and tour and you know still make it happen. And, and it's we're loving it. It's funny, you know. I think you know you guys live all over. I just moved back from LA after 20 years there. And uh, it's great now for musicians because with social media, and not social media, but the internet, you guys can actually create. It's not like you're sending someone, you know, a fax. You, know, right. you can actually send right. send something. Now, now the first time, yeah. the first time, what was the first time you ever heard a Collective Soul song on the radio? Do you remember when you first heard it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We were, uh, we were going to play a show in Orlando and we had rented like two, two vans to take the band and, uh, our, our gear down there. <clears throat> and we were listening. There was, we knew the station had been playing it cause they were the very first one to, to, to play it on a commercial though. And, uh, WJR in Orlando and it, <clears throat> they were doing a countdown and it got to like, uh, number three or two, <laughs> excuse me. And it was like, damn, we thought for, we thought there might be a chance we, you know we'd be on the uh, on the count on the countdown and uh, we get we gave up at number three or two we're like damn whatever so we just kind of just started talking and it was it ended up being number one and that was the very first time I'd heard it on the radio and we were just like screaming and you know pulled the van over it's good memory I can imagine now now you you know you have a great fan base. What? Why do you think your fans enjoy you so much? Is it because of the camaraderie, as you said earlier? Is it because of the energy? Is it because you come out and you kick ass on stage? Or is it just because you're nice guys? Uh, I mean, I, I don't... Yeah, I think it's an assortment of things. I think people connect... A lot of it really is people connect to Ed's lyrics. A lot of fans are really tied into... There's a spiritual, thematic thing that happens often in, in, in the lyrics. That's a big component. And I think, hopefully, it's... You know, we, we're we're good at what we do, and and the, the the there's a contagious feeling of us having having fun up there. And I hope you know, that, that's your ultimate goal is to entertain, and hopefully people can you know escape their life for a minute because that's what I do when I go see shows. And uh, and hopefully we can we get that point across. Well, I I, just, I was on your Twitter, and people it's at, it's at Collective Soul, and in your Twitter it said thank you Walmart. Did you play a gig for Walmart? And if so, how did that happen? Uh, yes, it was some sort of, it was like, they do an annual corporate event and it's like, it's mixed with, uh, uh locals from Arkansas people like, the, like, I don't even know how they like winners of some sort. So there's like, a, there's a group of like, uh, common people or public people, I should say that don't work for Walmart. And then it's like thousands of Walmart employees. Yeah. So it, was, it was cool. Now, now you also, I know you guys, about, I'm going to talk to you about your upcoming tour, but I want to talk about you. You came out with your other project, Magnets and Ghosts. Mm-hmm. How did that project come about? Yes. And, 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 and is that music very similar to, you know, your spiritual with Collective Soul? But when I clicked on something, your, it said the lyrics are uh, 
like a parental advisory for magnets and ghosts. But how do magnets and ghosts? <laughs> I was just surprised. How do magnets and ghosts come about? And is it is it something that you uh, you've been wanting to do? For, I know it started a while ago, but is it something that you've always wanted to start a side project just to be on your own for a little bit? We were going through a moment in the band. I think you, you, in Collective Soul, and we had gotten you know, I don't know, 12, 15, however many years into it. And you just creatively, it's, it's as hard as you try to like get outside of your own creative box and you just can't help it sometimes. I mean, after years of working with the same people and, you know, it's, it, you know, you end up there and it, we all went and did different things. And I just needed, I needed to express myself creatively in another, in another fashion. And <clears throat> my buddy of, of mine that he had kind of just been talking about it, and we just started writing together. He, he actually worked with Collective Soul a little bit, engineering. And then uh, we went on to, so we just did, this is our third record. And we have a little, we have a studio in LA where, you know, we just have different production uh, projects that we work on. But uh, yeah, this it's definitely a, a passion thing for me because I'm, I'm, I really do, uh, I'm really proud of the music that, uh, that we've made. Now, how'd you come up with the name Magnets and Ghosts? <clears throat> Uh, it's just a thought that I had, uh, it's actually a song I'd written, and then after my father passed, and it's just a, it's a reference to the, the physical world and the spiritual world, magnets being, uh, physical and ghosts being spiritual, and ghosts is like this Southern Baptist kind of Southern way of talking about the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, I've always, that, that word has always intrigued me a little bit. Now, have you written music all your life? Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, how... I mean, I, no, not my entire life, but I, I started seriously writing when I was in my early, my late teens, early 20s, somewhere in there. Now, how through the years has your writing evolved or changed? Because, you know, as we get older, we look at things differently. And how has it changed for you? And do you take a lot of your personal experiences in and share that? Uh, I do take personal experiences in, and how's it evolved? I've put less <clears throat> uh, pressure on myself. Uh, I let it because I mean, the, the whole there's no secret to really writing a song. I mean, it's just something that it comes from somewhere, and you capture it. And, and I'm <clears throat> I've had to learn over the years to really surrender the moment and just allow stuff to come through and not be judgmental of it and just see what it is, you know, and see, see where it, where it goes. And hopefully there's a, there's some sort of melody there that will marry up to a, a, a lyrical concept that I've, you know, have been thinking about or whatever. Some, uh, the, the allowance of that, I think is what I've hopefully gotten better or, or hopefully am in continuing to get better at. Now, is it hard for you to juggle, let's say, I guess we can say hats of, from playing in Magnus and Ghosts, then going back and playing Collective Soul. Does that ever, do you ever feel like sort of not stressed out, but a, a conflict somewhat because it's two different musics and you're more mm -hmm. of control of M and G. Yeah. I mean, how does that, how does that work for you as an artist? Uh, it's, it, it doesn't, it's actually uh, energizing to me, to be honest, because it's like, you know, they they both I feed off of both of them. I, I love both, and uh, the Magnus thing is different in that you know I have to put my face in front of a microphone and see see lead vocals. I don't do all the leads, but but a lot. 
So that that's a whole different game for me, which I could say initially was a little bit more stressful. Now it's just you just get caught up in the moment and let the music do do the do the work. So so no, it's not stressful at all, really. It's kind of the opposite. We actually did a tour a couple of years ago where Magnus and Ghost opened for Collective Soul. So I was doing a <laughs> I was doing uh, two sets for a little while, which was interesting. That must knock the hell out of you. I'm sorry, man, because, you know, especially because you're going, you're playing, and you're doing all this stuff, and then most people go, okay, we're done for the night, and then you're actually playing a longer set with Collective Soul. Right. How was, right, right. How was your body? Then, how are you feeling? It was fine. It was fine. But then, because actually the Collective Soul thing, I can kind of relax a little bit because my brother takes over, and, and he's singing and doing his stuff. So it's like, all right, I'm, I, I can just kind of relax right now not dial it in by any stretch but like relax like there's no i don't have as much focus or attention on me so but it was it was we had a, a lot of fun doing that now you have this new this new this new tour coming up it's called the rock and roll express tour and first of all how has touring changed for you since you started i mean is it is it easier now is it second i mean i'm sure what like you said when you were younger and you you, you became you know, you hit it right away for you. The touring must have been just a whirlwind because you're learning so much. But now you're older and you're wiser to the road. How does it, for you personally, how has it changed going on tour? Is it a lot easier of a process? Or is there, you know, do you miss people when you leave? Or how does that work? Definitely miss. I'm, <clears throat> it's it's really difficult for the guys who have wives and children. I, I don't have either. Like my, I have a little bit more flexibility when it comes to that, so it's difficult for them. But we're, you know, we we have the good fortune of we're not having a tour like we used to, where it's like just killing it, you know, months at a time. We'll go out, we know what's happening, we're gonna, you know, everything's pretty much the same, you know. So it's it's a lot more uh, controlled. So you just, there's prizes, which is a good, it's just not necessarily on stage, but just on the the environment itself. So that makes everything better. Well, this because you're you're going to have issues regardless, but it's just you, you just learn how to like, you know, and you you know you can't go out and booze it up all night every night, or you're you're going to you're going to crash at some point, or like you're saying, you got to be healthy, get your best. Now, how did this tour come about? Because it's a great lineup, and it's it's you guys, Three Doors mm -hmm. Down, and the Soul Asylum. How did, did did your people talk to Three Doors Down, or did a promoter come and say, "Hey, this would be a you great know, concert"? I, we've been buddies with those guys over the years. We, we've never done a tour like this, or like multiples, you know, over weeks and months. But we've played shows, many shows with them, like whether it's a festival type thing or the one-off. We've been buddies, so yeah, I'm not sure if it came from their camp or ours. Somebody just presented it, and we're like, "Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Like, you know, that, that works for for both of us. You know, we're friends. We're, you know, music uh, works well together. So, let's go do a tour." Now, how long is we? How long will you guys play? How long will your sets be? And is 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 three? Are they closing each night, or is there a different order, or how's that going to work? Yeah, I There'll be some markets that might flip it, but I, I'm pretty sure they close every night. And the sets are like hour, fifteen, hour and a half, something like that. Now, so, and I'm not sure what the solo asylum is. 
Now, do you guys all, does the whole band, your band, have a say in what will be on the set list, or does one guy decide it, or how does that work for you? We know there's going to be a people song that we just we are going to play. You know, the, you know, this is just not a question. But then we we just kind of circle different ideas because we're going through. I don't know how many records we've made now, nine or ten, whatever. It's like going through and seeing what what we haven't played in a while, what would work within this set parameter. Because like hour and five, sometimes two hours. <clears throat> so we have to figure out the configuration. So yeah, so it's we we all talk about it. And at the end of the day, if it's a song that Ed doesn't want to sing, he's the one putting his face to the mic and, and doing it. So that, you know, he can absolutely veto it. But it's all, it's pretty democratic. Now, you know, as you said, you've had nine studio albums and a live album, I believe. And how has the music industry changed in your eyes from when you started? Has it, has it, as for an artist, you think it's better now? Or do you think it's worse? Do you think there's, it's so easy to make something that there's a lot of product that shouldn't be going out? I mean, when you guys made it, you, you had to have chops and you had, to, you had to be good. You couldn't just sit there and record something on your mm -hmm. phone. How do you think the music industry's changed? And how do you think you guys would fare if you came out, like, now? <laughs> I don't Those are tough questions. Uh, I... I We've seen, you know, these was the, the early nineties was like the height of the record industry, just selling records and making money, and all, you know that whole drill. And then, you know, digital, digital downloads come into play, and it kind of decimates the whole thing, right? It's like equated to like a industry big bang, and then it it was it sucked for a lot of artists for a long time. Now it's like these people are like these broken pieces of kind of hitched on with other things, and it's, it's really good from an industry standpoint because there's a way to, 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 to metrics to see attention and on online and whatever and uh, and as far as music I don't know how, you know it's always going to evolve in, in technology innovations from there's going to be different ways to make music but there's that's that's great and there's still people out there sitting down and making in a piano and and write music and recording it like that too. It's not as it's, it's still happening. I and mean, there's some say more now than it's than it has in quite some time. So it's all over the place. It's, it's there's it's everything all the time now. Now you said the 25th anniversary is coming up. Are you guys planning on releasing a new album on the 20th anniversary, or will you think you'll do a compilation with yeah. some songs? Or no, we're going to release. No, we're, we're planning on because we. We were going to release a record this year, so we re-recorded one last year. And then we decided, with, well, we knew we already had some <clears throat> So we just went and recorded another batch of songs. Like the vinyl, all new material this year. So the, store, yeah. the, the, the tour starts in Canada, right? Now, how did Canada end, start the beginning's tour? How, how come we didn't get you well, first? <laughs> well, Canada, those are just kind of a, a quick little run kind of like a warm-up thing for us and then the, the tour with uh three doors starts in atlanta on july 6th now is it was atlanta chosen because that's where you guys are from or was that just how it came about it's just how the route normally we try to make it because atlanta is like the hometown we kind of make that the last 
show, but the way this thing was routed and where they w- wanted to take it started in Atlanta. It was more centralized. So <sighs> kick it off, hometown. Now, what have been, over your course of your career, what have been some of your favorite places to play, whether it be America or overseas? Mm-hmm. Um, I've always loved going to, to Europe, anywhere in Europe. I mean, we've, we've played in London and Manchester and all over Spain and Italy. Um, which is, all those are great. Um, where else would, would I say? South Africa, Cape Town. We played there several times. That's, I love that place. Um, and as far as venues go, I, I love Red Rock as a fan. I love it as a fan on that stage. Now, a question for you. What is it like for you? I'm sure you have some fans who come to the shows and they bring their kids who are a little collective soul fans, because that's a tribute to you guys. You've been around for 25 years, so I'm sure right, there, are some right. ba- there are some babies made the collective soul music, and now their parents are like, hey, we heard this and so Is That must be a great feeling when you do a show. Do you ever have, like, you meet someone and they're like, hey, you know, my kid's eight, and my kid, my kid digs your band? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every night. It's pretty cool. We do it. We, you know, we'll have, you know, out and about <clears throat> near the venue or whatever, and I love that feeling, man. That's 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 how it works. How it goes. I mean, I, I know music because of my father and because of my brother, my two older brothers. Like stuff gets passed down, and I, you know. I, I now, a question for you: When you play like a song like "Shine" and you have to play it. Does it ever? Do you ever get a little tired of playing it? I mean, because I mean, you you probably played it. I don't know how. I mean, you can't even over a hundred thousand times. I, don't know, yeah. I mean, how do I you mean still? Lot, yeah. How do you put the energy into it? Because you know, people are looking forward to that song, and they're going, you know, we love this band, but we love that song. So turn us on. How do you guys still give the passion to that song? I mean, it's it's yeah. you're professionals, oh, yeah. but it must be crazy when yeah, you're sitting there going. That, <laughs> I've been asked that question before, and it's so weird. Like, like I don't sit in my bedroom and practice shine or play it or. You know, that, that's not, but um, when you play it live, it's new every time. There's energy there. And I don't even consider, I, there's not even a millisecond of like, oh, i got to do this again. Not even, not even a, a, a half a thought. It's fun. And then when we kick it in and it gets big and crowds into it, it's just, it's just a shooting experience. So the store, the tour starts, the, the, the Rock and Roll Express starts July 6th in Atlanta and you're going, you're playing for a while. We'll, we'll, are you, t- do you take the big buses or I mean, and, and do you have to get into the city and do your sound check? How does that work? Yeah, we will take, uh, yeah, we'll have our buses and, and I'll be, I'll be sleeping on a bus for a while. I'll probably end up flying too quick. Um, the bus thing wears me out eventually. Um, <clears throat> We will, yeah, then, then we just do our sound checks, yeah. We just dial it in every day, make sure everybody's feeling good on point. If we want to try new songs, rearrange the set, you know, those kind of things will happen, especially early on, seeing if, if what, what's working within the flow of the set. So maybe some change with songs, add some, take some away, move them around. Well, it's cool, man. I'm glad now. Now, can you can you can you talk the band into letting you play any Magnus and Ghost songs, or won't let that, that they say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't. 
I don't want to put them in that position. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time, Dean. And uh, the tour is coming up. Oh, and uh, so, yeah, have a great tour. And I, may, I know you're playing near me. I live right outside Philadelphia, so I may try to get and see you guys down when you play in Atlantic City. So it's awesome, uh, man. your awesome. your your Twitter for Magnus and Ghost, is, I believe, is is it M&A? I can't, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, I think that's what it is. Or Mag. Hell, I don't even know. Yeah. And then you have Collective Soul. Yeah, and then Collective Soul, you can meet it there. So anyway, so people, go check them out. Go buy their, their albums. You can go go follow them. They have a great website. Go see them live. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Cooper Talk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have over 750 episodes up there. You can also go to my other website, stopthesalt.com. When I had my health problem, I had to redo my cooking. So I wrote up 120 low-sodium recipes for you guys. You can get it at Amazon, but if you get it at stopthesalt.com, I make more money, and I'll autograph it for you. So people, please check out Collective Soul. They're coming to your town. It's a great, great concert. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next week.